At the start of a new year, there is a lot of excitement and energy around setting goals. What about now? What if you are off track for the goals you set in January? Are you supposed to wait until next year to reset? What if you keep setting goals but not achieving your goals? What is the difference between goal setters and goal achievers? These questions inspired me to create the Elite Achievement Goal Setting Series. I'm launching this series this summer. If you want to be one of the first to know when this series launches, head over to my website, kristenburke.com, and sign up to receive my breakout plan. I'll be sharing updates and details later this quarter. Hey, Goal Achievers. Welcome to the Elite Achievement Community. I'm Kristen Burke, your host and coach, here to demystify the goal achievement process. If you are ambitious and visionary, then let's get to work so you can maximize your potential. Hey, Goal Achievers. Welcome back to Elite Achievement. Kristen here, and I am wondering... Are you working super hard, but feeling unfulfilled? Are you chasing your definition of success or are you chasing someone else's definition of success? Today's guest, Lauren Hornacek, is an expert at helping us identify what it is we really want from our careers and how to ensure we are living fulfilling lives. Lauren is an empowerment expert who works with ambitious women who found success in their careers and yet are left feeling overwhelmed and unfulfilled. She coaches women who know something needs to change but have no idea where to start. Lauren weaves her professional training with her powerful personal experiences into her work as a coach. Her greatest testament is that she's been there. I have also been there, working very hard towards a goal that I thought I wanted. And when I learned to get quiet, trust my own intuition, and take the biggest risk of my life, I found so much more fulfillment. Lauren knows what it's like to have everything you thought you wanted, yet still feel miserable. More importantly, she knows what to do about it. Oh, I wish I knew you a couple years ago, but I'm so glad I know you now. Lauren is going to share these fabulous tools with us today. She leads an intensive program called Finding Freedom. This course is a four-month program created for women who are deeply committed to building a life that brings them joy and fulfillment. She coaches women to uncover their deepest life desires and the limiting beliefs that have kept them stuck. She helps them see all that is possible for their lives and develops a step-by-step action plan to make it happen. Women who participate in her program walk away with the tools and confidence to make their dreams a reality. Lauren, I am so energized to have you here with us today, and I cannot wait to hear your story, learn more about the coaching work that you do, and how you help people feel unstuck. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much. I am so honored to be here. I appreciate the invite so much. This is just a beautiful space. And I can't wait to share everything that I've learned through my personal journey over the past several years in hopes if it can just help one other person out there, that makes it all worthwhile. That's why I wanted you to come on this podcast. We met 
through networking, which I think is important to share how we got connected. We're both a part of an organization called Elevate, and it's an incredible organization for women who want to grow themselves, grow their careers, grow their businesses. And we joined a workshop and ended up in a breakout room together, and we just started chatting. I mean, you actually reached out to me. So I'm super grateful. And we set up a meeting, we started chatting, and we had a blast connecting with one another and learning about our businesses. And as you shared your story, I thought this is the perfect story for the Elite Achievement Platform. So Lauren, tell us, what motivated you to start coaching? Sure. So I guess my journey started when I was working in corporate America. I worked in finance for over 10 years. And although I learned a lot of valuable lessons through that experience, there came a point where I was completely miserable. I was chronically exhausted. Like it obviously wasn't working out anymore. And yet I stayed for another three years because I was terrified. I had no idea what the other side looked like. I had no idea what to do next. So I really, really struggled with that decision. But eventually I did leave. I tried a few different things after that. And it eventually led me to opening up my own business where I hired my first business coach. So I think I hired her on May 1st to start working together on June 1st. Little did I know was that I was going to leave my ex-husband in that month period, so a week before we got started working together. So we go on the first call and she's like, Lauren, nice to meet you. Okay, like what part of your business do you really want to focus on? And meanwhile, I'm in my childhood bedroom. My whole life just got flipped upside down. Like I didn't know which way was up. And I definitely didn't care about my business. So I told her what was going on, that we had just gotten separated. And my business coach quickly turned into a life coach. And for the next three, four months, we worked together. And the transformation that I experienced in that time period was just unlike anything I had ever experienced before in my life. Had I had those tools when I worked in corporate America or even prior to getting separated, I think my life would have been so much different. And I would have been able to make decisions with much more ease. So I should also throw in there, I was not new to self-help. I mean, I had had a therapist on and off for years. I read all the books, but coaching just really offered me something unique and different. And after that experience, I just knew I need to help other people. I see my friends, my family, especially in the career space, they're overworked, they're exhausted. They just need some guidance and some love as they figure it out. So that's what I've now made it my mission to do. So you mentioned coaching offered you something unique at this critical time in your life, a time full of so much change and so much uncertainty. What was it that coaching offered you? I think when I look back, the big difference was the application of the lessons I was learning. So you can read stuff in a book, but it takes a lot of effort to really turn around and apply it in your real life, especially if there's not someone there to hold you accountable and call you out on your stuff. My life coach was tough with me. Sometimes, like, I don't want to say she made me cry, but sometimes I got off the call and I cried because she told me things I didn't necessarily want to hear, but they were true. And to hear that was what I needed to make the changes in my life. I needed to dig deep and see what was going on in order to make the shifts that I needed to feel fulfilled in whatever it was that I did next. To do the work that coaching and growth requires, it takes a lot of courage. You mentioned 
you hired your coach and at the time you and your husband separated and you were back in your childhood bedroom. And so I'm guessing this was a very emotion-fueled time in your life. How did you find the courage to grow yourself and to work on yourself in such a challenging time in your life? I think I was in such a place of desperation that I almost had no other choice. I was sick of feeling the way I was feeling. It was time. I would have done anything you told me to. If you told me do this and then you'll get to a place where you feel better, like no more excuses. It was time to focus and figure it out. I was so sick of being stuck. I was stuck for years. As you did that hard work, found the courage, worked on getting unstuck, is that what you work with your clients on today? Yes. So that is where I really focus on. They typically come to me when they're like, okay, I know I need a change, but like I have literally have no idea what to do. And I'm afraid to leave my corporate paycheck behind. And what if this? And what if that? And what if this? And they start to flirt with something new and then they run back to their comfort zone. So that's where we really dive in. And the one thing I should say too is that, yeah, this work is uncomfortable, but you know, you've experienced it too. It gets so much easier over time. Now when stuff pops up for me and hey, I'm human, life coach or not, life happens. Now when it happens, I move through it sometimes in five minutes, sometimes in five days, but it's not the months and years that it was in the past. I can relate to that story so much, Lauren. I also came from financial services and I spent over a decade with the same firm, a firm that I truly loved and believe in the work that the firm does. And there were so many times in my professional career where I had this calling on my heart to start a coaching practice, but I was stuck. I was so paralyzed by the fear and I was so afraid of giving up a consistent regular paycheck, even though I knew I want it more. I want it more impact. I wanted to build something on my own. I was still so stuck in my own career. And it really took a moment for the universe to smack me on the face when I wanted a next level position and I didn't get the job. That was the moment for me where I thought, wait a minute, I have a choice in this situation. I can choose to keep working to keep building this career, to keep trying to get to that next level. Or I can choose to start my own business and follow that calling that has been on my heart that I kept trying to suppress, that I kept trying to push away. So I'm curious, as you work with individuals and help them get unstuck in their career, how do we get stuck in the first place? It's a great question. I think it's a lot of things. I think part of it is just the way we're all raised in society. We're kind of raised, you go to high school, you got to get good grades because you got to get into a good college. Then you go to college and you got to get good grades because you got to get a good job. And then you got to get a good job because you got to make a lot of money because you got to buy a house and you got to get married and you got to have kids. And there's times and ages that you need to do all of these things by, at least that's what we're raised to believe. And I did all those things. I bought my first house at 25. I was married by, I guess, 27. And he was a great man, obviously not the right one, but he's a great man. But I think where we get stuck is we don't necessarily pause and say, is this what I want? And on a deeper level, like, do you want a secure job? Yes. Do you want to make money to pay for your lifestyle? Yes. Dig deep. Like what else do you want? Do you want to spend time with your family? 
on the weekends? Do you want to eat dinner with your family during the week? It's going to the gym every day important to you. What hour do you like to do that at? There's so much more to our lives than just this career that we've been kind of grooming ourselves to have our whole lives. And that's where I don't think we do enough work and really digging deep to say like, what is it that lights you up? And what is it that just feels so good in your soul instead of chasing the titles and the money and all of the external factors? I definitely chased titles because in my mind... I would view people that are in these positions and I would view them as totally successful. And the power of perspective, what I've started to learn now is it's not always what it seems. They might have a title, they might have prestige professionally, but sometimes their personal life isn't the way that they want it to be. Or sometimes they're on this fast train to burnout, or sometimes even all this money that we think we want isn't giving us the happiness and the independence that we want. It is so critical that we all take a pause and we reflect and identify what does success mean to me? Because what it means to me is different than what it means to you, Lauren. It's different than what it means to my clients and your clients. And so I'm curious, why do you think we still, and I'm using we like me and you as you shared your story, why do you think we still chase this traditional definition of success? We don't know any better. I think we just don't know any better. No one ever says, well, how do you want to feel? Like, was that (laughs) with any of your career counselors? Okay, you're looking for a job, but how do you want to feel in that job? Or even specifically, like, what's the impact you want to make? I mean, finances are great. Like, yeah, it was impacting somebody somewhere. I don't know. I didn't really see the impact. So I wasn't getting lit up by that part of it. But yeah, I think it's just like the surface level stuff. And now we have social media. So we see everybody with all these followers and all this money and all these external things. And it does not fill your soul. I can tell you, I still drive a Mercedes. It's, I don't even know, eight years old. It was my last... I'm going to buy happiness purchase. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, it doesn't work. And the reason I still have the car is, well, one, it still looks good mostly. And two, because I spent so much money on it that I'm just not giving it up. So I'm going to hold that thing and and drive it into the ground. But it just, I went to the Mercedes dealership. I bought it. I was like, yeah, we're going to do this. And six months later, I left my job. And then I had those payments with not that job. But it's, you can't find internal happiness with external factors. It doesn't work that way. I wonder if we chase material objects because we are so stuck where we are professionally and we're so unhappy that we think that's going to buy us our happiness. And so what recommendations do you have for anyone that's listening, that's saying, that's me. I'm trying to buy the fancy car, the big house. I'm trying to buy this happiness. What recommendations do you have to stop that cycle and change your perspective? I also want to say, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with buying the fancy cars and the big house, but where you get hung up is when you buy them for the wrong reasons. Good point. If you want a big house because you think it's going to make you happy, big house also sometimes has more problems. So really get clear on like, who am I doing this for and why? Is it because we have too much stuff and that's the issue? Like, just get clear on the why behind the stuff. Because trust me, I still like nice stuff. I'm sure you do too. I'm just much more intentional when I purchase it. 
I took a course last year at the start of the pandemic through Coursera, the happiness of well-being. And the course talked about happiness and buying happiness. And one of the things that it taught me is that oftentimes it's experiences that can create more happiness because you have the anticipation leading up to the experience, the experience itself, the photos and the memories. That was an interesting shift in my mind on experiences versus purchases. Same here. I spend a lot of money on experiences. That's really what lights me up and fuels my fire. And it lasts long. (laughs) So as we're talking about happiness and redefining success, how do you think people can start to evolve their definition of success? I think if you have everything you wanted and you're still not feeling it, or if you're wondering if the grass is greener on the other side, like, you know, in your gut, it's not something I can even necessarily teach you. Like, you know, in your gut when something's off. And I typically think that it's just when your values are misaligned with your lifestyle. There's no judgment there. It's just saying that the things that really are core to your soul are not being fulfilled. I think that's huge. And I want to make sure we capture what you just said when your values are misaligned with your lifestyle. That when you start to align your values with your lifestyle, it can help you feel a greater satisfaction and deeper level of success. As we strive to understand more about ourselves, how do you think we can get clearer on what our values are? So there's a few different ways. Giving myself as an example, and then I'll go into how you can identify them. So when I was working in corporate America, between working and commuting, it was over 65 hours a week. When I did a values assessment, I saw that the things that are most important to me that really just light me up inside is time with family, it's fitness and health and being active. I think the other word that came up was adventurous, connection, all of these things that were my non-negotiables, I negotiated them all away and was just spending all that time at work. And when I did come home, I had no time or energy left to do those other things. So right there, you could just see where there was a misalignment. Working that type of work was never gonna work for me. But how you figure that out is, I mean, I think it's easiest to probably work with somebody who can ask you the questions to help you dig deep because we all have blind spots So even when we try to do the work ourselves, we'll ask ourselves a question and then we're really good at lying to ourselves. And we don't have bad intentions. It's just, that's the human design. Like we tell ourselves what's going to feel good. So having someone to work with, like an accountability partner, that's going to call you out on your values and really get clear on what are those things that you need in your life. That's what's going to make you happy. I do have a value assessment that I go through with my clients And from there, they answer a bunch of questions. The whole thing only takes like 15 minutes, but they answer a bunch of questions. And then we figure out what are their top values and what are their bottom values, the things that they really don't care about. And it's very telling the stuff that comes up. And some are values that serve you. And some are values that don't serve you, which is also interesting. Because sometimes, say, we chase money because we want security. But that can be based off of fear. So it's really uncovering that and digging deep about 
okay, we want money. We need money. Money is okay. But our motivation for the money, that's where it can get a little wonky. So we just look at that and it helps you gain more self-awareness about why you're doing what you're doing. And then you can make shifts to be in alignment with what's going to serve you best. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Like, how do we figure out if a value is serving us or not serving us? Sure. So the program that I work with has this concept that you're either born with a value, it's in your DNA, or you acquire a value. And that's going to come through your life experiences from the time you're born till all your experiences leading up to wherever you are now. But the ones that are acquired, that's where it can either be a value that serves you or a value that doesn't serve you. The way you would figure that out is looking at it with curiosity and saying, hey, this is really important to me. Why? Maybe health and fitness is important to you the same as it is to me. Well, is it a value that serves you or not? Maybe you work out so much because you're afraid of what other people are going to think because you don't want them to think that you're overweight and you just want to have the perfect body, but it's not for reasons that are supporting you. It's more out of fear and fear of others and fear of judgment. So that's a value that you would want to look at and say, hey, how can we shift this to something that's more in alignment with what serves my greatest good? Let's talk about our friend fear because fear has come up a couple of times today. You needed to embrace fear to make a transition in your own career, in your own life. I had to embrace fear to make a transition in my career. How do you think we can overcome fear? I think a lot of that is managing your thoughts and having the awareness when fear comes up. So kind of see it. And you can usually feel it, right? It comes up, you feel it somewhere in your body usually. So let's say you try to do something new and all of a sudden the alarm bells go off in your head and maybe your chest tightens and you get a little short of breath. Like it happens to all of us. But instead of feeding into that, just go, oh, I see you. I know what you're doing. Your fear. Fear tries to keep us safe. It tries to keep us familiar and comfortable. It does not like change at all. So we'd have to see it and go, oh, there you are again. And be like, but I'm still going to do the thing. And really, my key to success has been take one step. Don't worry about all the other steps. Just do the next thing. So when fear is staring you in the face and there's like 100 more steps, don't even think about the other 99. Just do the next one and then do the next one and then do the next one. And over time, those fear, it diminishes in size. It's not going to hold you back. The one place where I see my clients really get challenged, and this is good, it's part of the process, but they go to do the thing and the fear creeps up and they're like, oh no, I can't do it. And they run back to safety. But it's like, no, just see it and just take one more step and just one more step and just really simplify the process. Don't overthink it. That is such sage advice. Because I think all of us have times in our lives where we get an idea or we start listening to that intuition and there's that moment of energy and excitement and you're like, yes, I'm going to do this. And then in a nanosecond, that fear kicks in and all the thoughts and all the what if scenarios and the what ifs are always terrible. They're not good what ifs. What if this goes wrong? And what if this happens? And what if that? 
And that can hold us back from getting to that next level. But exactly what you just said, Lauren, is take that bigger picture idea. And what is the first step? What's the next step? And then the step after that. And if we can simplify and do one at a time, I've at least found that the answers start coming as you start moving. We can't just sit there and brainstorm it all. We got to start taking action. Yes. And your what if point, we always go to the negative, always. So when you notice yourself doing that, or you notice yourself spiraling, right? Because the what ifs lead to spirals. Say, what if it goes well? What if it goes better than expected? I can tell you right now, sitting from experience, my life is, if I like dreamt what my perfect life would be, I wouldn't have even put all these pieces together. My life is amazing now. It's so much better than I expected. But if I didn't make those hard decisions in the past, I still would be stuck in that miserable state. There are people that are listening right now that are saying, I want this too. I want that amazing life. What are the warning signs? we need to start paying attention to that are telling us we are stuck? I would say notice your habits. If you're waking up, well, Monday morning is a bad example. Everybody hates Monday mornings, but you really hate it. That's a red flag. If you're normally a fairly healthy eater and you've been binging a lot and eating the junk, that's a red flag. If your sleep isn't good, that's a red flag. So really take notice. If you make plans with all your friends and you keep canceling them because by the time the weekend rolls around, you're too exhausted to go. That's a red flag. So just start to notice because if you notice it when it first happens, you can make shifts in the process instead of getting completely burnt out and at the end of your rope where you are left feeling completely overwhelmed and don't know where to start. So start paying attention. If the things that used to bring you joy no longer bring you joy, if you're canceling, if your health and well-being are becoming impacted, that could be a sign that it could be time for a transition. And then before we talk about how we can gain clarity and start taking steps towards that transition, I'm curious, what mistakes have you seen people make when they go to make a transition? Two things I would say. The one is don't be too impulsive because we can get to a point where like, that's it, I quit. And it's like, okay, well now what? (laughs) And now you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to figure it out, like right this second, like all of it. So don't be impulsive. And then the other part is to really gain clarity on where you want to go. And if you don't know where you want to go, then how you want to feel. Because I use this example a lot. Let's take dating, right? Let's say a friend of yours has a really toxic, horrible relationship. They break up, they move on, they start dating someone else. And you as an outsider, it's always easier to see other people's stuff. You as an outsider see the same habits, the same... They're just replicating the behaviors, but with a new partner. And you're like, yeah, this is never going to go anywhere because it's basically the same guy, just a different man or whatever. So when it comes to your, especially to your career, do the same thing. You need to get clear on what you want. Don't leave one toxic work environment for another toxic work environment. I've had people who free time is really like high on their values and they want to leave financial services and become an attorney, which yeah, maybe you can work 40 hours a week as an attorney. I mean, not the majority of attorneys I know. You better be really intentional and crystal clear about that. If being an attorney lights you up, then go for it but you got to put some serious boundaries in place to make it work for your soul. So just 
write it down on paper. When a checklist is in alignment with your core, it helps you to gain so much clarity because you see it on paper and it's like a visual that kind of impacts on your brain and you know what you're looking for. Um, This may sound crazy, but when I got divorced, I made a checklist for what I was looking for in my next relationship. And he is that to a T. And when I found him, I knew like, this is it. There were other people I dated and I was like, yeah, no, this isn't working out because of the things that I knew I needed to be happy in a relationship. So write a list, make your dream list, no excuses, put everything on there that you want in a career, everything, including six weeks vacation. And I want to leave at five o'clock and I want to be able to work from home when I want to put it all down on paper. And when you do, it's also going to make you a better negotiator when you are in the interview room because you know what you want. I am so glad you brought this point up because when I launched my business, I want it to be successful. And success in my mind was hitting a certain revenue number my first year in business. And I wanted to be successful to prove to myself that I could do it, but also to prove to other people that I could do it, that ambition is a really good thing. And what I ended up doing is I ended up working very similarly to the way that I worked when I was in corporate. And it was grind. It was hard work. It's if you're not showing up at your desk early in the morning, you are going to fail. And it was back-to-back meetings and high activity. And I paused, Lauren, at the end of last year. And I thought, wait a minute, I've built something pretty awesome. I've hit and exceeded my revenue goals but I'm burnt out at the end of the day. And I'm not showing up as the type of mama that I want to be. And I'm not showing up as the type of wife that I want to be. And so I needed to get crystal clear on what I wanted. And I went back to what I know works. I rewrote my vision, which lights me up for what I'm building. I got clear on some goals around how I wanted to spend my time personally and with my family. And that's what I'm working on this year. And yes, I'm still working really hard, but I'm working differently because I'm laying the foundation to be able to have the lifestyle that I want to have in a couple of years. And so I applaud your feedback around clarity. It's huge. Absolutely. That is beautiful. Why do we prioritize our work stuff before our family stuff? It makes no sense. Work is not more important than our family. So why does the family part get on the calendar last? First thing I did January 1st was, I, so I go on vacation six weeks out of every year. I've done this for the past, I think like four or five years. And even in COVID, I found a way to go away, using vacations a bit generous, but go away for six times. So what did I do January 1st? Yeah, I had my career goals. I had my all that, my business goals. I knew what that was, but I put those six weeks of vacation on the calendar because that is a priority to me. One of the best things that I did last year is I blocked on my calendar Friday afternoon golf with my husband. And I know you and I can see each other right now, but I've got the golf hat on. I've got the golf polo on. We are going this afternoon. And it has become one of the greatest joys of my week. And it actually serves as massive inspiration to work hard in the middle of the week. And then I know that I get this time and it's a chance for us to connect. It's a chance for me to engage in a hobby and it's on my calendar. And now it's become a non-negotiable. I had a client recently and we were rescheduling and we were talking about a Friday and she goes, oh wait, not Friday afternoon because I know you're golfing. And I thought, Ah, it happened. It's like my business didn't fall apart because I want to golf on Friday afternoons. So I have two questions for you. Yes. Do you have work to do? 
Of course, it never ends. It never ends. <laughs> but because you scheduled it on the calendar and this is what you do and this is your non-negotiable, are you going to feel guilty this afternoon? No, I'm going to have a heck of a lot of fun. Now, I might feel guilty if I have a lot of really bad shots, <laughs> but that's a whole different conversation we could have. I golf too. <laughs> and, oh, please. Yeah. It's hard. Exactly. And I think that's something the listeners really should hear is that when you schedule time for yourself, it empowers you to do it unapologetically. The work, the everything else is always going to be there. You're always going to have more laundry to do. You're always going to have more to do. But when you carve out that time just for you, it's on the calendar. It's non-negotiable. You can just walk into it and be like, yep, this is what I do. And you own it and you own it powerfully. And look, your clients are already starting to know, okay, nope, we can't (laughs) work together on Friday. And they figure it out. People are resourceful. We don't have to be available 24-7. And I think people also appreciate when you have some of those boundaries in your own life because they either have them or they want them too. I know I have a lot of clients who are women who are mamas in financial services. And one of the big fears they have is if I don't take an evening appointment I'm not going to get this client or I'm not going to be successful. But by taking that evening appointment, they compromise that critical, important time with their kids. And so helping people set boundaries is wildly important. Absolutely. Well, we could probably talk here all day long, but I want to know, how do you help people understand their values and get super clear on what it is that they want? Sure. So the process that I typically take my clients through is we do the values assessment that I referred to earlier. And it takes about 15 minutes. They answer a bunch of questions. And then from there, we get all of their values are ranked, but we really focus in on the ones that were ranked at 10. And then the magic happens in a debrief session. So we spend quite a bit of time. Sometimes it can be like two hours not all in a row. It's too much to do in a row. But we spend two hours diving deep into, okay, what are these values? Where did they come from? Why are they important to you? And it's magical, the stuff that pops up. It just creates so much more self-awareness. And it shines a light on that shadow stuff and gets it out into the open that we can just move past it and start to make intentional decisions that are in alignment with the life we want to lead. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to quit your job or leave your partner. It doesn't mean that. It means we make shifts, small or large, that are just going to feed your soul and light you up and get you that fulfillment that you've been craving. So for this audience, I want to offer you my values assessment tool so you can really dig deep and uncover the things that have been holding you back and start to make empowered decisions moving forward. The assessment tool is valued at $165 but I want to offer it to you for $99. Lauren, thank you so much for offering the values assessment tool to the Elite Achievement community. Where can we sign up to work with you? And where can we follow you and learn more about you and the great work you're doing? Sure, that is a great question. So the best place to find the information for the values assessment tool will be in the show notes. In addition, you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is at create an intentional life. Or you can follow me at my website. It's www.laurenhornacek, just H-O-R-N-A-C-E-K dot com. Well, with that goal, achievers, keep celebrating your weekly wins, noting your lessons learned, 
and identifying your priorities for next week so you can continue progressing towards your goals. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are feeling inspired and want to join the Goal Achievers community, visit my website to sign up and get connected. We can also connect socially on Instagram. Follow me at Meet Kristen Burke. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this show. Until next time, Goal Achievers, keep progressing towards your goals and celebrate those weekly wins. Oh, 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 oh,